nearly every good comedian has good timing. They, they couldn't be good without it. Burns has great timing. Ed Wynn had the greatest. Gracie Allen had probably the greatest. She was the great of all time when it came to timing. You have to have real good timing or you can't exist as a comedian. Marilyn, why did you walk away from me? Why, why did you want to leave me? Because I can't trust myself with you. <laughs> what? You're so strong and I'm so weak. And when you look at me with those big blue eyes, I just, I just... I understand. <laughs> In the picture, all I wanted was money and diamonds. But now, for the first time, I realize that all I really want is you. Meryl. Dream on, Mr. Benny. Dream on. Marilyn. Marilyn, I'm mad about you. I'm mad about you, too, Jack. Jack. Yeah. Jack. Will you do something wonderful for me? It would make me very happy. Well, of course, Marilyn. I'd do anything, anything for you. What well, is it? Well, in my next picture, there's going to be so many love scenes. I want you for my leading man. Oh, Marilyn, I'd, I'd love to be your leading man. Good. Now, if we can only get permission from Daryl Zanuck. Why? Who did Mr. Zanuck have in mind? Himself. <laughs> Blue night and you alone with me. My heart has never known such ecstasy. Although Jack Benny spent his TV time on September 13, 1953, dreaming of being with Marilyn Monroe. On January 15, 1954, she was officially taken off the market. That day, she married retired baseball star Joe DiMaggio at San Francisco's City Hall. They were divorced the following year, but remained close friends for the rest of her life. Jack had a basic philosophy, if I may divert here for a moment, that Certainly. as I analyze it, it was obvious that this was his philosophy. The bigger he could make the supporting people, that worked with him on the show, the bigger it made the Jack Benny show and the bigger it made Jack Benny. Now this is a leaf that I don't think any other comedian ever took out of Jack's book and it was so sound and successful that I'm surprised somebody else didn't pick it up too. But that was Jack. That was the generosity and the thoughtfulness and the great showmanship that were reflected in Jack's operation in all the years he was on the air. All my writers have been very, very good. I don't remember not having a good writer. But by the same token, the, the same writers have been awfully nice to me because they figure not only am I easy to write for because of the characterizations, but that I'm a help to them because they think I may not be the greatest writer in the world, but they think I'm the greatest editor. 
and they think I know what to tell them. And I make as many mistakes as anybody else. Sometimes I'll tell them that I don't think this is right for the show, and it turns out great. And I apologize to them. I'd rather apologize and have a, and have a good show than have a lousy show and say I was right. My heart was a desert. Airing in his familiar Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern time slot, in 1954, Benny had a radio rating of 8.2, second highest on the air. For 20 years, his rating had never fallen out of the top 10, and 12 times he'd had a top three show. The January 10th episode celebrated announcer Don Wilson's 20th anniversary with the program. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. We were out for General Foods and Jello for 10 years, uh-huh. and Lucky Strike came after then. Lucky Strike sponsored Jack and the Benny Show for 15 years. They were the greatest longevity of any client on the show. General Foods being 10 years for Jello, mm-hmm. 15 years for Lucky Strike. It's amazing. You think back. Jack Benny had as his sponsor Jello for 10 years and uh, Lucky Strike for 15 years. And today, now here in the 1980s, you're lucky if you get a sponsor to pick up a 30-second commercial during a television special. That's right. No longevity at all. My, how times have changed. Yeah, really have. But you see, the sponsors took pride in the programming in those days. Now, there was always the hue and cry. I'll editorialize for a second here. Good. Always the hue and cry that once they got the network programming out of the hands of the sponsors, the audiences would have better programming. And eventually, through the 50s and the 60s, the programming moved away from the sponsors who really produced the shows through their advertising agency, or most of them. You got it. To the point where now the networks are producing the shows or paying for the shows to be produced, and the sponsors really don't have any interest in it other than the sheer numbers they're getting out, That's out right. there. Whereas in the old days, and you were there with the Jello and with the Lucky Strike things, I believe that the audience, in their response to the sponsor, fortified the sponsor and kept his interest in presenting that program. I think your analysis is very well taken. I don't think anybody can dispute it. program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Keith Hotwell. And now, ladies and gentlemen, in presenting the star of our show, it gives me great pleasure to bring you a man who... Just a minute, just a minute, Don. Hold it a minute. What? Don, today, instead of you introducing me, I'm going to introduce you. Me? Yes, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, today not only marks the anniversary of Don Wilson's 30th year in radio, but it also commemorates his 20th year with me. So, Don, take a bow. Oh, Jack, this is so touchy. Don, this day is yours. Today, we will all pay homage to you. When I say we, I mean the entire cast. Your slightest wish will be our command. 
Whatever you... Don. Don, you're crying. Well, gee, I can't help it, Jack. See, the way those tears are running between your chins, it looks like you're irrigating something. <laughs> Stop sniffling. Well, uh, I'm all right now, Jack. I just couldn't help getting emotional when I realized that you've been with me for 20 years. No. No, no, Don. You've been with me. With me. To think that I came on this show when it was down, and because of... Down? My, and because of my personality and showmanship, I raised it to the pinnacle of success. Don, wait a minute. It wasn't minute. easy, and there were many setbacks, but every time the show was down, I brought it up again. Now, wait a minute, Don. My show was never down. So don't make things up. Well, now let's not argue, Jack. <laughs> really, let's don't argue because, well, and besides, I want to thank you for making this not only a memorable, but a profitable occasion. Profitable? What did Jack do for you, Don? Go ahead, Donzie. Tell Bob Crosby. Tell well, him. Bob, not only did I get $500 cash, but I also got a brand new DeSoto convertible for my wife, a trip to New York for the two of us on the Super Chief, and a whole week at the Waldorf Astoria. Jack, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, gosh, Jack gave you all of that? No, but it was his letter that got me on strike at Rich. <laughs> You're darn right. Well, Jack, I guess it won't seem like much now, but, well, since today is Don's 20th anniversary with you, the boys in the band got something for him, and... Here it is, Don. Oh, gee, thanks, Bob. What is it, Don? What is it? Well, now, wait, Jack, lay on wrappers. Okay. Boys in the orchestra, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh, Jack, look at this. A diamond-studded cigarette lighter. Well, I'm glad that you like it, Don. My musicians went through a lot of trouble to get it for you. Well, Bob, that's a beautiful lighter your boys got for Don, but you'd think it would be wrapped a little better. Who did it? The owner of the store, the owner of the store. I could have wrapped it better than that. Not with your hands up over your head. <laughs> Bob, you mean the boys held up a jewelry store? Well, it was an accident, Jack. You see, when they walked into the store, Remley had his guitar under his coat. Uh -huh. The man thought it was a machine gun. He threw up his hands and said, take anything that you want. That's still dishonest. Frankie should have opened his coat and showed the jeweler that it wasn't a gun. Oh, Frankie did better than that. He took out the guitar, started to play, and the guy said, Look, you got what you want. Stop torturing me. <laughs> well, that, that I can understand. Anyway, Bob, it was very nice of your boys to bring down that present. Well, he deserves it, Jack. After all, he took this program when it was down, and he started... It wasn't down! <laughs> now, look, this show isn't five minutes old, and already I'm aggravated. That makes two of us. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Dennis. What's the matter with you? I got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. So what? I fell out the window. <laughs> what? It's three stories. Boy, am I lucky I wasn't hurt. Oh, you landed on your head, huh? Was that it? Was that it, Dennis? No, on the mailman's head. Oh, fine. I guess he'll have to find himself a new job. A new job? Why? Yeah, now he's too short to reach the mailboxes. 
I don't know, Dennis. Everybody else just goes along. Why do these stupid things keep happening to you? Oh, I guess it's because I got such a bad start in life. You know, I was an incubator baby. An incubator baby? How much did you weigh? 11 pounds. <laughs> Dennis, if you were that big, why did they keep you in an incubator? They were afraid to let my mother get her hands on me. Well, what did your father have to say? Nothing. He was hiding in there with me. <laughs> Dennis. Dennis, this is all very interesting, but why don't you just sing now and save the rest of your biography for This Is Your Life? I'd rather you got me on Strike It Rich. All right. <laughs> I'll do it sometime. Just sing. Yes, sir. further evidence of the changing broadcast landscape. That season, Benny had a TV rating of 33.3. Jack Benny would air one more season of original radio shows. Most people ask the question, was Jack Benny as funny off the air as on? Jack was not that kind of a comedian. Jack was a great listener and appreciator of other comedians when they were on. And he would always stay in the background. He would always laugh and get a lot of enjoyment out of another comic's work. And great applause from Benny. But if Benny was in a crowd of comedians, he was eventually on. He could top everybody. But uh, He was just not in real life. A one-liner stand-up comedian like a Burl or George Burns or somebody like that, you know. But he was a real and thoroughbred professional from start to finish. He always demanded the very, very best that he could possibly get. And if there ever was to be an irreplaceable man, Jack Benny would unquestionably be that man. Eight days later, Benny appeared on suspense in a story called The Face is Familiar. 1954 was Autolite's final season sponsoring the program. Airing Mondays at 8 p.m., Suspense pulled a rating of 6. While it was a far cry from the listener heights of just five years earlier, it was tied for 7th overall. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Jack Benny in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents the story of a successful bank robbery, including the astounding history of the unhappy man who perpetrated the crime. It's called The Face is Familiar. Our star, in his first dramatic appearance of the season, Mr. Jack Benny. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the world-famous Autolite family. Tonight, we announce the $100,000 Autolite family charity drawing. 
During the next 11 weeks, all of you, 18 years of age or over, can take part in this greatest of all charitable events. And here's how. Just visit the showroom of any Autolite family car dealer and sign your name and address on the registration form he gives you. Ask him to sign the receipt portion. That's all. Nothing else to do. No need to buy a thing. And yet, you may be one of 25 selected to name the recognized charities that will receive a total of $100,000 in cash on the 1st of June. Think of it, thousands of dollars in cash to be given to your favorite recognized charity or charities if you are one of the favorite persons. So go tonight, go tomorrow, to Autolite Family Car Dealers and sign your name and address to the registration form he gives you. Later on, I'll tell you the names of the Autolite Family Car Dealers who are participating in this great Autolite Family charity event. And now, Autolite presents transcribed The Face is Familiar, starring Mr. Jack Benny, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. I still can't understand why they picked me, of all people. <laughs> me, of all people. That's why it's so hard to believe. That it all happened, I mean. But it did. It really did. Just because I like to go to the railroad station. Walk around, look at the trains, study faces. I never forget a face. I never forget a train, either. But it's easier to forget a face. But a matter of fact, I, I remember some faces it would be a lot better for me to forget. Like Harry Edmonds' face, for instance. That's the day it all started. The day I saw Harry Edmonds way across on the other side of the terminal. That's the station. He was talking to a big fellow. Harry's face I remembered right away. I never saw the big fellow before. Better get going, Harry. But you can't pull off the job. I stuck up a bank before. Yeah, sure, and they'd spot you in a minute you walked in. I know you, too. This is your hometown. Oh, sure. Neither one of us is right. Let the boss decide. Come on. I thought about it on the train, down. We need somebody new. We're not splitting this take with anybody else. It goes three ways now. Look, if we have to, we have to. And if we wait too long, we got to let the whole thing go until next month. And we wait. Not for me. This town is too hot for me. Somebody is liable to recognize me. Yoo-hoo, Harry! Harry Edmund! Who's that? Where? Over there, some guy calling you. Harry, Harry Edmund, you old son of a gun. Brush this guy. Well, well. Good old Harry Edmund. You got me mixed up with somebody else, mister. No. No, I haven't. I, I know who you are. Yeah? Harry Edmund. You used to live on 12th Street and 2nd Avenue. What city? This city. Here. Don't you remember me, Harry? Can't say as I do, so... Harry! Oh, Harry Edmund! Harry! Hey, Harry. No kidding. You remember me, don't you? Seriously, Harry. You remember Pinky Smith? He had a ward on his finger. And Alan Davenport. He had a birthmark on his neck. Well, I'm Tom Jones. I have nothing. I'm clean. Brush him, get rid of him. No, no, no wait a minute. I think we got our answer. Yeah. I think we got the engine paid to handle some of our bank business. 
Harry, Harry, try to remember. Go ahead, now. Try to remember. Yeah, uh, 12th Street and 2nd Avenue. That's huh? right. That's right. Well, I used to live around there somewhere, but I still can't... L- let me give you a hint. Go ahead. Remember Gordon's candy store on the corner? And remember the great bunch of guys who used to hang out there? Yeah. And remember those pesty kids who used to tag along, nagging, nagging, saying, let us in. Can we come too? Always pesty. Always trying to horn in. Well, one of them was me, Tom Jones. Remember me now, Harry? What'd you say your name was again? Jones. Tom Jones. The name sounds very familiar. We grew up together. Yeah, uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, what are you doing these days? Oh, a little bit of everything. And you? A banking. Oh, money, huh? Yeah. Well, that's a nice feel. Well, I gotta go look at the people. It was good talking over old times with you, Harry. Hey, come on. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, look, uh, you, you mind waiting a minute? Uh, what's, what's your name again? Tom Jones. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, Tom yeah, well, w- wait a minute. Huh? Well, I'm kind of busy. Lots of appointments this afternoon. Oh, I'd like talking over old times with you, Tom. Maybe we could, we could have a drink and dinner. Well. On me. Oh. Oh, well. Yeah. Good, good. Except that Joe has an appointment here. Joe, couldn't you break it? Wait here a second. Uh, uh. Tom. Tom Joe. Tom, yeah. Joe, come here. L- let me talk to you a second. What? Now I know I got the answer. I know I found the pigeon who's going to do it for us. Let the boss figure that out. I tell you, I got it figured. Look at that guy. Yeah? He is it. Him? He don't look like nothing. Right, he's nothing. Isn't that what we want? Nobody that anybody ever saw before. Nobody that anybody would ever think of looking at twice. Job's ready. And if we don't pull it this afternoon, we lose another whole month. So, come on. Oh, Joe can make it. He is going to join us. Joe, I forgot to introduce you. Have you met... Uh, uh... It's Jones, for heaven's sake. Yeah. yeah. Tom Jones. Tom Jones, yeah. Well, Tom, meet Joe, and don't get sore. He's a kid I grew up with, Joe. We're going to have a great time talking over old times, you know, Second Avenue. <laughs> That's right, and your name is Tom Jones. Yeah. Uh-huh. I must admit it, it is a difficult name to remember because it's so common. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah, I sure do. Well, it'll certainly be nice talking over old times. Oh, yeah, I haven't talked over old times in a long time. Well, well, Harry Edmund. Yes, sir, and good old, uh... uh Tom. Tom, yeah. Better get started. Where to? I want you to meet another old friend of mine. Harry must have been doing very well. Very well. I mean, for a man in the money game. He had a brand new sedan with real leather upholstery. I know it was real leather because that used to be my game. Leather upholstery. Not much money in it, at least not for me. But I didn't let Harry know that. No, sir. What if he ran into another old friend from 2nd Avenue and the other old friend said... How's old Tom Jones doing? And Harry said, not very well, 
Not very well at all. Well, that can hurt a man once it gets around. And then what happened? Well, when I came back to the main office, I said, I, I want 40% commission from now on. Really? But, of course, that would have made me a partner, the boss said. Uh-huh. After all, Harry, I'm not the kind of a guy who can be cooped up in an office. I've been a road man. The lure of the open road. Oh, yeah. The call of the open streets. See, I'm an outdoor type of salesman. Something of the pioneer kind, you know? Pioneer? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pioneer, yeah. You see, there are those salesmen who are made for offices and those of us who get out and break the plane, so to speak. Tom, you surprise me. Oh, I could keep going for hours, Harry. Literally hours. Yeah, well, why don't you hold on to some of it till we have dinner? Oh, sure, sure. Hey, I'll bet you never expected that pesty little kid who always used to hang around to get so big in his field. Oh, I certainly didn't, we could sure use somebody like you in our outfit, Tom. Really? Yeah. Well, now, that's very flattering, but uh, I'm not sure it's right for me. I'd have I to... bet I could uh, get you, I don't know, maybe uh, 10000 a year to start with. 10000 a year, you say? Yeah. Well, I'd sure like to think about it. Well, you talk to my boss. Maybe he can convince you. I'm willing to listen, Harry. I'm willing to listen, all right. The business Harry was in was mighty successful if the home of his boss was any indication. The beautiful big yellow house with a lovely green front door, and you could tell it was the home of a man who had worked his way up and knew what to do with what he had. Inside it was very homey. Two fireplaces in the living room that looked like they were burning. A beautiful plaid carpet that must have been a real oriental, and they wanted me in the business. Me, Tom Jones, of all people. Brandy, Mr. Jones? No, thanks. Thanks. Spoil my dinner. Cigar? Well... All clear Havana? Oh, I can see that. I can always tell a good cigar just by looking at it. I know cigars and faces trains. You're a very well-informed man, Mr. Jones. Well, you're kind of unusual yourself. Why? You remember my name. Don't most people? <laughs> most people don't even recognize me. People I've known for years. Is that so? Now, don't get me wrong. It's an asset in my business. See, people who tell me no when I try to sell them something say, say, come back next year. But I come back next week and they don't even remember I was in the first time. <laughs> Believe me, a face like mine doesn't come along every day. I like you, Tom. Uh, mind if I call you Tom? Certainly not, Mr. Uh, just call me boss. Everybody calls me that. Especially people I like. And I like you. I like you too, boss. Then uh, you're interested in uh, coming into the uh, organization? Oh, I might give it a whirl. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't want it any other way. A trial for both of us. And the, uh, the pay Harry mentioned? Oh, I, I told him a starting salary, boy. Now let's talk about that at dinner. Come on, we'd better get started. Isn't a... Quarter to three in the afternoon, a little early for dinner? Uh, we uh, have a few errands to do. Uh, excuse us uh, just a minute? Oh, oh, of course, of course, sure. You like the idea? Perfect. 
nobody will ever remember him. I couldn't even describe to you what he looks like. Where's the satchel? Right here, boss. I thought you put the note inside. Well, we wanted you to okay it first. Here, read it. You are being covered by a gun from two different places in this bank. Do not send an alarm or you will be killed. Put $50,000 in the satchel. That's it. On the note. How will you get him to take it in? I always come up with the answer, don't I? Yes, yeah, sure, boss. Come on, let's go. Oh, we talked it over, and the boss likes you a lot. Uh, uh, for the last time, it's Jones. Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I only kidding, best. Tom. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, we uh, better get started. Where to first? To the bank, Tom. <laughs> That's very kind, but completely unnecessary. I don't need my salary in advance. I told you, this is a high-class outfit. To the bank. Gee. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Jack Benny in The Face is Familiar, tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. This is Harlow Wilcox again. Tonight, the worldwide Autolite family is privileged to salute a distinguished member, the DeSoto Division of Chrysler Corporation. The final Autolite suspense episode aired on June 7th. CBS refused to cancel the series. That fall, Anthony Ellis took over as producer-director. The show would continue to air, sustained by CBS, until the ad department found multiple sponsorship. And the program moved to Sunday afternoons in November of 1956. The secrets in the hemispherical design of the combustion chamber. That's where your fuel is exploded to give you power. This design squeezes every last drop of power.